Hey there, it's Alex from Down There Aware. We have a special episode today for you. Um, This is a repost from one of our first episodes all the way back from May 2020. Um, Some stuff has happened in my life recently, and um, this episode seemed very relevant um, for what we are currently going through. Um, all, all is good, no mystery, no scariness, but um, we didn't have time to do our uh, record our planned episode for this week. Hopefully we'll get back on it um, in the beginning of April. But I did want to just introduce this episode a little bit. Um, it's mom and I discussing how um, having a supportive network around you is super important. So let's throw it back almost two years ago um, and see what we had to say back then. How aware are you? You're probably aware that mammograms are a great way to detect breast cancer. And that regular, moderate walking can be good for heart health. But are you aware that the fifth most common cancer in the United States is uterine cancer? And that the average age at diagnosis is 60? Well, I definitely wasn't when I was diagnosed with endometrial cancer at the age of 32. And that's exactly what inspired this podcast. We are Mary and Alex, a mother-daughter duo engaged in multi-generational dialogue surrounding subjects related to gynecologic cancer, women's health care, and various other topics that impact our daily lives. We are Down There Aware. Welcome back to another episode of Down There Aware. I'm Alex. And I'm Mary, Alex's mama. And today we're going to talk a little bit about having a support system and also that when someone gets cancer, it really affects everyone in their family. Yes, and not only in their family, but in their tight circle, um, which could be blood relatives, um, in-laws, but it also could be their friends who are like sisters and brothers. So I found that when going through my cancer experience, it was really important to have a support system and... And even not just my cancer, but through all of my medical issues, it's been important to have a support system and to have people there who may not understand what you're going through, but who reach out, who take the time to make sure you feel connected, uh, even though you're in the hospital or you're on bed rest at home, um, and to just be there for you for whatever you need. I will say being the mother of an adult who has an illness or a condition that needs uh, medical attention makes it a little like treading on eggshells sometimes because, you know, your child's an adult and he or she is making their own decisions about things, but you're also still their mother and you have a vested interest in... um, making sure they get the best care and things go well. So you sometimes feel like you're walking a, a tightrope in making those decisions and or helping make those decisions. And it's important for an adult who um, is single to let your 
parents come to your appointments and have not for them to control what you're doing or to influence what choices you're making, but to have them as someone who hears things that you don't hear, because that happens all the time, um, and who thinks to ask questions that you may not think to ask um, because you're dealing with it on a more emotional level right at the beginning, especially. Um, so it's important to have people there. And then even beyond going to the doctor and getting through surgery, having people who will text you and call you and pop by to say hello or to bring you something. Um, it's just, it's just really nice to know that people are thinking about you. And I, uh, got a care basket from, from my coworkers and the, my team member who put it together and ended up bringing it over. Um, she picked out this beautiful plant, um, and I still have it and it sits on my windowsill and it's grown. And every time I look at it, I think about how nice it felt, um, to know that everyone at work was thinking about me and had contributed to this, to this care basket. <laughs> yes. And I think too, um, we talked about on another episode how sometimes we don't feel like we know what to say when somebody's sick. And I, th- I think the the important takeaway is um, we just need to be there. We just need to make ourselves available. It, it's not as important what we say as the fact that we're just there. That's really true. I think it's um, and I think any trial in your life can bring about this in, uh, this outcome. But when you get really sick or you have something serious or life threatening or seemingly life-threatening, um, it kind of shows you who your real friends are. And I don't mean to get all negative, but it really shows the people who will put in the effort. And it's not just your normal Tuesday, we're going to go have happy hour after work. They have to make an additional effort to carve out time when you're available, when you're awake, when you're out of bed, to come over, to come sit with you or to make a trip to the store to get a card or whatever it may be. Um, it's, it's much more effort to have a sick friend than it is to have a healthy friend. Um, and it really shows you who is, who's a real friend. You know, um, early on in Alex's cancer diagnosis, um, it was like days and we were talking and I said something about wanting to talked to one of my friends and she very quickly said to me this is my story to tell and it kind of made me stop and think um certainly it it was and is her story to tell but I followed that with her quickly with you know I have friends and I'm your mother and I you know, I need to talk too. So, um, once you've told your story and it's out there, then there are people I need to be able to talk to. And, um, she got that and, uh, we discussed who I would tell, um, who were different people than she would tell. And it all worked itself out, but it was important to have that conversation. And I also think as the patient per se, um, it's important to understand that 
this is something that you walk through, but your whole family goes through this and your whole family is affected by, and your friends too, they're affected by what's happening to you and the choices you're making. So you can't really be selfish and think, and I was in the beginning, I, this is my story. This is what I, you know, who am I going to tell? I don't want you to tell people. And you had a certain way you wanted to share the news. Yeah. And I think that's fine, but to not want to tell anybody or, um, to, I don't know if it, if, if it's an embarrassment or if it's, you don't want to draw attention to yourself. Um, but you really have to lean on your people at this point and understand that they're going through it with you from a different perspective. It's different you getting cancer and your daughter getting cancer, but you're still going through it together. And, you know, I um, had a dear friend who had breast cancer and um, struggled with breast cancer and then it metastasized for years um, and eventually the breast cancer took her life, but she was so open and, um, not only willing to share and, uh, talk about her journey, but she encouraged people to talk to her as well. And when I look back at those years with her, I know that that helped me in, um, when Alex was going through, her diagnosis and the treatment afterwards. And even now looking back, um, how my friend handled it and being included in her journey has helped me deal with Alex's journey. So, um, there's a whole lot more that can come from your sharing than simply benefiting you and the person you're sharing with at that moment. And I mean, this is a little bit of a stretch, but that's kind of how I feel. Um, when there's a clinical trial or when someone wants to study and have a survey or come observe your doctor's appointment or your procedure. Um, and that's easy for me to say, yeah, come on. I want doctors to learn and I want people to have a better understanding about this weird thing that's happening to me. Um, so it doesn't really help to keep that to yourself and, and, um, and not let people in, um, because what you're going through could help someone else professionally or anecdotally, um, to know how it affected you and to let them know that it's okay that it affected me that way too. And everybody may not be comfortable doing that, but I think if we share our perspective about how it can be helpful and how it's helped us, then that might help someone else think a little bit more about it. So um, like Alex said, we're not experts, but when you go through something, you've experienced it, and so you have a pretty good handle on it and um, how you reacted. And that's really what we're trying to do is just share that because it might help someone in the future. I also think it's pretty funny because now, you know, eight, nine months later, I'm, and having done the podcast for a few months, I'm very open and comfortable talking about having had cancer. I joke about it. Um, and I get some weird looks sometimes. I mean, pre quarantine when I was still going to work and still hanging out with friends. Um, if something would happen and I would crack a joke or I would make light of my situation, 
because that's how I deal with things. Um, I would get some dirty looks and it's interesting that, you know, that's how I've walked through this. It's how my family, we joke about stuff and, um, and that's how, you know, we've supported each other, um, and moving forward and just know that everybody's different and you have to own your own story, but it's better to do it with other people than to do it alone. So you have to have that support system and, um, having your family, there, if you have family, um, is important to have them around you. We've talked about different, uh, treatments for cancer and, uh, how you felt like you kind of got off easy. Um, and I think people looking, um, from the outside in would argue with you about that. Certainly you didn't go through chemo or radiation, but, having a complete hysterectomy is not getting off easy. And, um, so I guess initially the treatment that could have made you sick and, um, you know, put poison in your body to try to kill the cancer, you didn't have to do that. Um, we do joke about how you didn't have to shave your head because you had chemo, but just a few years ago, you were bald because of your (laughs) brain surgeries. So, you know, you knew what that was anyway, you'd already been through it once. Yeah. I already looked like a cancer patient then, but now I don't. Um, and isn't it funny that, you know, we see a bald person, particularly a woman, because a man bald is not unusual, but we see a bald woman and we think, oh, she must have cancer. Um, And now I know that's not necessarily true. (laughs) Well, plus nowadays it's fashionable for those women who have pretty head shapes and, um, you know, don't want to deal with hair. Some women shave their heads just to um, make a fashion statement. So can't be be too quick to draw conclusions. Exactly. But, you know, getting back to mom's point, I did kind of feel like an imposter a little bit and it helped having friends and family who were supporting me, um, to validate my feelings. And, you know, when I would try to downplay, um, Oh, it's not that bad. It's just, it's just surgery. It's just a hysterectomy. This isn't the worst surgery I've had it. I don't have to do chemo. I don't have to do radi- radiation. It's not that bad. And then I would have some friends and family say it is bad. Like you can sit with that for a minute. It's okay. Um, And it goes back to what we talked about last week. And you can't really compare your experience to other people's experiences. You have to have your own. And and it doesn't matter how bad it seems on the outside to other people looking in. If you're upset about it, you're upset about it. And you need to own it and live with it and move forward. And I always feel like I'm the Debbie Downer when Alex is very... um uh, I don't know. Almost flippant. <laughs> well, but you're you. Sometimes you get very. Um, I don't have cancer. My my cancer's gone, and certainly I hope and pray the cancer's gone. But I also know that um, once you've had cancer, even though Alex had surgery to have it removed, her the protocol from her oncologist would not be to continue to surveil her if there wasn't a chance that the cancer would come back or not necessarily come back, but still be in there in such a minute um, cellular level that uh, it hasn't been seen yet. And so it's good to be realistic and um, 
that's another part of it being a family affair because I'm, I always feel like I need to bring Alex back to the reality. Um, not to be, like I said, a Debbie Downer, but I want her to stay on top of her appointments. I want her to be sure that she goes in when she needs to and asks the right questions and um, is closely surveilled as it was recommended. I think it's good that mom has stayed on top of things and um, been the quote Debbie Downer (laughs) because um, I think, you know, if you get too comfortable, you can lose sight of um, the plan and, and paying attention to things and being aware, right. That it's not, you're not out of the woods and there might still be something ahead. And I think that's another reason why it's really important to have a support system because you have people in your life who you trust implicitly, who are honest and they're not going to sugarcoat things. They're going to be straightforward with you. And if you're talking about how, oh, I'm cancer free, this, that, and the other, they're going to call you out. I mean, the, the time that I put I'm cancer free on my Instagram story, immediately mom responded and said, no, you're not. <laughs> it's like the day after your surgery. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> and so you need those people in your life. And, you know, you, you could do it alone. You could do cancer alone. You could do anything alone. But it's not good do it alone. And it's better and easier when you let people help you carry that burden with you and support you through it. And, you know, everybody's different. And I think everybody has to tell their story the way they're most comfortable telling it. Um, But Alex chose to use social media, I think partly because that's kind of where she sits in her generation and in her daily life. But It helped to get accurate information out, and once she posted each update, I could just share it on my social media, which um, they were her words saying it the way she wanted it to be said, um, and it was consistent so that everybody who was interested got the same information Um, And I think that's really important to get the word out and figure out how you want to do that. And like I said, everybody is different. Um, But for us, it was good that it was consistent. And um, she was allowed to kind of take the lead and do it the way she wanted on in her own time. And that gave me a bit of ownership and it helped me take a hold of my diagnosis, um, and not just let it be something that happened to me, but that I was in charge of, I was figuring it out and, um, and was able to use my own words to get that out because I do think it was important to let people know so that they could be that support system for me, whether it was a text message, a Facebook message, a like, a comment, Um, Like mom said, that's where I sit in my generation. And that's how I know people are caring about me. Well, and for us, um, Alex only has one sibling, but I have three, well, two living sisters. And um, 
we have a big family. My mother had several siblings. My father had several siblings. And so we had people all over the country who are aunts and uncles and cousins who um, we wanted, if the information was going to get out, we wanted it to be the same for everybody. And not only that, there were people who you could say, quote, came out of the woodwork, but um, who I hadn't spoken to in a long time or mom hadn't spoken to in a long time, but we were connected on social media who reached out with their stories that were similar to mine. And it just helps you know that you're not alone. And even though it's weird that I got endometrial cancer at the age of 32, I wasn't alone. There were other people going through it with me who I knew. And my support group on Facebook was great, but I don't know those people. Um, and so there's only so much, there's only such a level of trust there. But when you know someone and you are related to them, it helps even more. Well, and as much as we've discussed on the podcast, how every person is different and every cancer is different, even if it's the same cancer and two different people, there still are several similarities in um, treatment plans and uh, ideas for treatment and uh, clinical trials, those kinds of things. So when people know you have a cancer diagnosis, um, it's good sometimes to hear about uh, what someone else has gone through. It may not be the same cancer you have, but the um, options for treatment, it may be something you've never heard of, and it's something you can bring to your oncologist if someone has had great success with it and um, they tell you about it. So I guess what I'm saying is um, when you share the information, you can get really great information back. This is just a little bit of how a support system can help you. And I don't think it is just, I mean, in this context, yes, it's about cancer and it's about going through something scary like that. But just in general, particularly with all this quarantine, coronavirus, it's important to have that support system and it can come from multiple places. And so just to make sure that you're nurturing those relationships because you never know when something's going to happen where you really need someone. Yeah. Sometimes you just need another person to be on the other end of the telephone or to text you or to comment on Facebook on something you posted just to know there's a connection and it's still there, especially like Alex said, while we're what I like to call physically distancing, not necessarily social distancing, because we still want to stay in touch with folks. And and we certainly can do that very easily because of technology. I'm amazed, and I continue to remind Alex that, you know, had this happened 40 years ago, none of the technology we're using now with Zoom calls and um, team calls and that kind of thing would be available to any of us. So, it's really a great way to be a support a support group to someone you love is to um, be able to reach out, even if it's just virtually. Thanks for listening to today's episode. As always, you can find us on our Instagram at Down There Aware, on Twitter at Down There Aware, on Facebook, Down There Aware, and you can email us, downthereaware at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe. That helps us get the word out on whatever platform you're listening to. 
Thanks for listening to this special repost episode of Down There Aware. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening.